As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to Rates and Barrels. It's Thursday, August 18th. Derek Van Riper here with Eno Saris. On this episode, we are fishing for pitching. We're going to look at some currently overlooked starters with some long-term potential. We're going to try and find some of the members of the next crop of elite relievers. And we'll take a look at some current relievers who could be future starters. So tons of pitching stuff mashed into one episode ahead of the weekend. How's it going for you on this Thursday, Eno? Good. I'm Propping my eyes open. It was another crazy night at Casa Reyes Dogs and children and pandemonium. What's the next pet that you are going to get as a family? Have you decided yet? It won't be a chinchilla. These uh, they're they uh, they're messy and uh, require a lot of attention, and so it will not be one. I have been uh, sort of uh, I, I have a follow the weed detective on on Twitter that uh, has a large turtle, uh, and the turtle seems to actually interact well with his cat. We have cats. Uh, there's a picture he had recently of a cat on top of the turtle, large turtle. Yeah. And I know from the neighborhood there's a turtle that my dogs don't are not threatened by it and have no capacity like just don't understand it. So we could have a turtle and it would they wouldn't be barking at the turtle all the time. Probably because they move so slow so the dogs are like that's just a rock. That's a rock. Yeah, it's a rock and <laughs> the wind pushed that rock. Yeah. <laughs> if turtles were more like plastic bags, dogs would hate turtles. Because dogs hate plastic bags. Yeah, anything that moves unexpectedly, you know? Yeah, I just figured something that would go in a tank or a clear box was probably the next move because then you could contain it to one part of your home. We have a fair amount of tanked. uh, We have a lot of fish. That's right, you do have fish. We could have, yeah, that would be the other thing is, uh, you know, like an oxalotl. I... In terms of living things, <laughs> I only see that come up on uh, on Google Sheets. Anonymous axolotl. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't even know what that animal is. So Should look that up. <laughs> I'm gonna have to Google that one. Thanks, thanks for that. But no, it is. It's uh, it's 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 like a farm environment, but it's not a farm. You you have you have the chaos of a farm, but you have like a, a more of, of like an oasis setting. Otherwise, <laughs> yes, you don't have. You don't have the big plot of land. You don't have a tractor. You don't have an outbuilding. You don't have those. Oh, we things. could eat, we could get chickens. Uh, we are you allowed could. to have chickens in our city, and there are chickens on our block. And I would love to have eggs. Uh, I do not love chickens, though. They're loud, uh, stinky, and the any area you let them go around in, they just sort of poop around it. Yeah, I would say uh, the chickens with dogs probably not the best combo mm, yeah we'd have to sort of fence off a whole area love the idea for a turtle if you have a, an idea Fresh for eggs. for what eno should name the family turtle once they have <laughs> one send those our way rates and barrels at theathletic.com uh fishing for pitching though let's talk about some currently overlooked starters with long-term potential there are some days eno there are busy days on my schedule thursdays are kind of busy i record three shows now on thursdays 
And when you have a piece come out on a Thursday, it's just like I won the lottery because there's <laughs> automatically a lot of stuff we can talk about. And I don't have to be quite as creative as if you didn't have a piece come out that day. Now, we, we yeah. share the load. We come up with ideas for the show all the time. But this is a great piece because you took a look at some starters who had stuff plus increases from last year to this year. And you kind of dug into where those increases came from. And I think that's really important because... A lot of times, I think people think about pitchers changing, and we immediately assume more velo. More velo is good. More velo is the way. And that's true. More velo is good. But a lot of times, pitchers are maxed out. They've already pushed that button. They've already emptied that tank. They've already gone through that training. They've already switched to weighted balls. They've already done all the things they could do to maximize efficiency and sort of top out with velo. But there are other ways to move that number, and that seems to be the more common way that stuff plus increases have happened from last year to this year. Yeah, because we're looking at major league players. Sometimes we forget that, you know, we're, you know, oh, we're looking at a young player. They could change. Well, even a young player has spent three, four, five years in the minor leagues, right? <laughs> so they've gone to gas camp and, you know, they've, they know what driveline is. They've either decided to do it or not, you know, they know what the weighted ball programs are. So most of them have, have done it and there isn't that much more to be gained out of their velo. And if you look at aging curves, mostly velo just goes away um, over time. So when I looked at the 25 biggest uh, stuff plus uh, risers from last year to this year. That includes uh, near, I have them ranked, uh, uh, you know, by the stuff plus difference. So I'll just uh, list like in the first five or six or something. Jacob Junis is number one. And right away, uh, you should be, uh, that's a hint towards how to improve your stuff. Kyle Wright, number two. Chris Archer, Christian Javier, Shohei Otani, Mitch Keller, Tyler McGill. So, <clears throat> that's that those are the biggest risers and um you know most of them are having good seasons especially uh compared to their previous track records and uh of that group only 52 percent, so only 13 of them improved their, their velocity by at least 0.75 miles per hour and in fact that number gets lower if i remove some of the guys returning from injury like chris sale chris archer um and uh noah Syndergaard. i think i had another example i forget who it was um but if you remove the guys coming back from injury that number drops below 50 percent so that is not actually the best way to improve your stuff 73 percent of them so almost three quarters of them improve the shapes on one or more of their pitches by more than one inch so that is a real way forward and then here's the biggest number 88% of them, I think all but three of them, changed their pitch mix. And in order to say that they changed their pitch mix, I said 5%. So it was like a pretty high bar to say change their pitch mix when I was going through. And all of them but three had a major, major change to their pitch mix. That's why I said Jake Junis was a large hint because he just threw the slider a lot more. And I think that's the easiest way to uh, look for uh, future uh, future breakouts. It's the easiest way for teams to think about, hey, let's acquire this guy and just really up the change-up usage, the slider usage, whatever it is. Um, and so I think that uh, that was the sort of prism that I looked through the different pictures um, that people asked me to look at uh, you know, in that piece. So just looking at Junis for a minute, Seven innings last time out, seven strikeouts, uh, one earned run on four hits. He had a run of five appearances where he didn't even get into the fifth inning more than once. And it looked like it was kind of like the wheels were falling off. The league had sort of adjusted and figured him out. I think there is something here with, with Junis and, and maybe Chris Archer kind of fits into this group too. They're still even with improvements and stuff, some limitations on guys that don't necessarily have that that deep arsenal. And then I think it's it's also hard to utilize these players in our fantasy leagues because we don't typically trust them to have that workload. With Junis, it was strange because when he first came up, he was working out of the pen in long relief. So he had a couple of five-inning relief appearances. 
Then he worked him as a starter for a while. He went five plus, I think, in four consecutive starts. Got sent down for a little while, came back up, had that bad run we just described. Like there was an injury. Oh, that's right. He got hurt. Yeah. He got he got hurt in there too. I think the June to July missing uh data there is injury. Because he had a hamstring injury. And then when he came back, he was uh he he wasn't fully stretched out, but they needed him. Um, mm. So they activated him before he was fully stretched out, and since that, he's been uh, under five. Con- you know, he was under five innings for like five, six consecutive starts. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. I have talked to him a, a fair amount, and he said the hamstring felt fine, but there is that sort of interaction between injury and how stretched out he was. Uh, plus, yeah, maybe the league being like, okay, he, he throws the slider a lot more, but. I mean, underrated, uh, he does throw the changeup a lot. It's not an amazing pitch uh, by any means. Um, and he hasn't actually changed the, the shape on it. Uh, but I think just to offset what you're saying, uh, he's thrown this pitch that has an 81 stuff plus, but 105 location and ends up being a 97 pitching plus pitch. So he's throwing a slightly below average pitch just to keep them off of the slider and the sinker. Yeah. Oh, and it was it was an option in late April, and then it was that hamstring injury that uh, cost him that time from the middle of June until the middle part of July. So I, I think he's pretty interesting just because he ended up in a pitcher friendly environment in an organization that has a a pretty good recent track record of, of finding overlooked pitchers. So they're definitely in that group of teams where they take a flyer on somebody. You want to pay attention and kind of see what might be different. That's that's to me. We have this new this new reason to care about spring training. It's just sort of like looking in really granular ways at what a pitcher might be doing differently that led him to a new team. Like why did this team take a flyer on this guy? Like that that's a question that we can now answer. Yeah, I think in in Junis's case they were like, "Hey, he has a, an elite slider by our stuff plus numbers basically, and we think he can throw it more." Um, I think I think fantasy managers fantasy managers can act accordingly. Um, it's just the, the toggle between how good the, the the group of pitches is and uh, how elite you know the the toggle between how elite the one good pitch is and then how wide the pitch mix is around it. I think is is almost feel still you know because Junis has. Um, this elite slider, and and so does Kyle Bradish, right? So, and Kyle Bradish throws the the slider uh, about half as much as he throws the four seam fastball. So, could you tell Kyle Bradish throw that slider exactly as much as you throw your four seam fastball? You know, a- a- and would that lead to a breakout? Well. Kyle Bradish's four-seam fastball has 83 stuff plus, 98 location, 96 pitching. That's worse than Junis's fastball, his his sinker. So, will it work or will it not? I I, I kind of see uh, possibly a reliever out of Kyle Bradish, just because the changeup is low stuff, good locations. I don't think that's a, that's good enough for a changeup. The curveball is low stuff you know mediocre locations uh, it has been popping a little bit and been looking a little bit recent but what can like how many other pitchers do you know that establish with the slider throw a curveball off the slider and then throw the four seam uh rare like rarely i don't it's a, it's not a like i don't I, who does that remind you of anybody not off hand no that's a very unusual approach I think that would be pretty unusual. It seems to me like a reliever. Now, put that up against Mitch White. Mitch White's slider is not as elite by itself, but it is his best pitch. Now, he's got a changeup that uh, rates as above average with sort of average stuff, average location. Uh, His four seam, uh, he locates it a little bit better. Um, And he throws five pitches right now. So it's five chances to alter his mix and change... Tweak, tweak the uh, the movement, right? So I kind of I'm more bullish on Mitch White becoming a a, a good uh, starting pitcher in the future 
than I am Kyle Bradish, there's more chances for success, even if his elite pitch is lesser than Kyle Bradish's. So there was a question that came in from OJ. OJ writes, every year there seems to be a few guys who successfully transitioned from the bullpen to the rotation. Tyler Wells, Aaron Ashby, Michael Kopech, Drew Rasmussen among them from this year. Is there a way we can use the pitching model to make some educated guesses about who could do it next year? I mean, that's kind of what we're getting at here. Um, I assume it would be guys who don't just pop in stuff, but also in command figure guys who, who are full-time closers are there permanently, even if they were starters recently. So that would cover someone like Jorge Lopez and maybe even the high leverage guy like Yohan Duran is unlikely to move as well. A few candidates he threw at us, uh, Adrian Morejon, Griffin Jacks, Ronaldo Lopez, all recent starters who don't close, maybe aren't even eighth inning guys. Seems like you'd maximize their value if you could return them to starting roles. So any legs to this theory as far as the way front offices act and the numbers work, any other guys we should add on the off chance of a move like this. I think Jax is kind of an interesting name because I think there's some similarities between Jax and Junis, but I think Jax actually throws a little harder too. With the bullpen roll, he's pushing that slider more. I know the model loved his slider last year, and the concern was, well, the other pitches don't really grade out that well as a starter, but there are two other pitches. There's still a changeup, and there's still even a curveball that he's throwing 5% of the time as a reliever. He threw it a little more as a starter in the past, so that would kind of give you the the extra outs, the multiple paths to figuring something out during an offseason if you can change the shape or change something about the characteristics of those pitches to make them more effective. It's true, and the model even liked him last year as a starter when nobody else did. Um, I guess it is possible. The one thing that, that stands out for me is that with the added velo boost of going to the pen, his fastball is a 102 stuff plus. So whatever you think of him now, you have to appraise how good you think he'll be when his four-seam fastball is a 95 stuff plus or 98, you know, because it's going to go down. And then all of his other pitches will be defined off of that. And so, it, you know, that's why generally stuff goes down the more you pitch because your fastball stuff is going down and your pitches are all defined off of that. Hmm. So that's something you have to think about is that, you know, look at even Spencer Strider, right? He was, you know, in Felix Bautista territory as a reliever, and he's still, uh, you know, maybe the best uh, starting pitcher by, by Stuff Plus, but the difference between Felix Bautista and the best starting pitcher uh, is about 30 points of Stuff Plus. That's um, a pretty big difference. Right. So if, if Jack's, uh, you know, if Jack's loses five or six uh, points of stuff plus, he could be a viable starter. If he uh, loses more, uh, then he, you know, I think he falls out. The one thing that I don't like about uh, the Jack's call, even though I do kind of, I see it in the mix, is he was a, a starter and became a reliever. Uh, a lot of, in terms of uh, in the major leagues. Right. So he kind of had his chance, quote unquote. When I think of Tyler Wells, that was a guy who was a starter in the minor leagues who came on as a reliever and then went back to starting. I think that's a slightly different pathway. So I'm a little bit more pessimistic about someone who has started in the major leagues like Ronaldo Lopez as well. And a team decided, no, you're a reliever. There are some guys who go back and forth who have done that, but I think it's a little bit more rare. It almost seems like you need a team change. If if a major league team had you as a starter and decided to use you as a reliever, yeah, you have to go somewhere else for a new set of, of evaluators to say, no, no, you're a starter. We we believe that. With Jax, the other thing that's pretty interesting, the changeup is totally different. That was mm-hmm. an 85.6 mile hour changeup last year. He's throwing it at 89.5 this year. And I mean, it's got it's got to be a different grip, different movement profile. There's there's almost no way that that's the same pitch, right? That's not the kind of thing you see with the move to the bullpen. Oh yeah, he's throwing his changeup harder. It's not really not really the goal. And maybe you're trying to keep a, a nice delta between the, the fastball and the changeup, but is that a much better pitch? It's better by results, at least to this point. He only throws it thirteen percent of the time, but that would be the other thing that could have changed. Yeah, it's true. It's a one oh five stuff uh, plus changeup now. Um and so he's got the elite slider, which he always had. Uh he's got the curveball is above average by stuff plus, not by location. So maybe he struggles to locate that. And that's meaningful too. But even if you take the curveball out, 
Uh, he has good locations on three pitches, and he has above average stuff on three pitches. I mean, uh, yes, that is something I would look for. You know, I would look for above average locations on pitches and above average. You know what? I you know what I got to do? I got to put the uh, by pitch uh, leaderboard up on on um, on the Google Doc. I'll do that for people. Just don't look at Otani's sinker. It's uh, we're we're testing right now uh, a a version of the um, the of the Stuff Plus model uh, that a includes some of 2022 data uh, in its training, which we hadn't had before, right? Uh, you, when you make a model, you always have to train it on some data and then test it on other data. Um, and so, you know, we, we can now include some of 2022 data in the training. And then the second part is it decides uh, what the fat primary fastball is uh, by outing, basically. Uh, and it just takes the number, the pitch that's thrown the most. It doesn't even have to be a fastball. So in effect, it would take Griffin Jackson's slider and call it his fastball and define things off of that. Mm. Uh, the new model would. And so, for example, Matt Wisler's stuff plus actually goes up because his fastball is defined off of his slider. Um, and uh, so it's a little tricky. We haven't tested it to know that it's much better, uh, but guys like Graham Ashcraft uh, get better in that in that model where you know he throws a cut fastball as his primary fastball. Uh, Matt Wisler got better and, and uh, Shohei Otani's uh, sinker got better uh, to the point that it's 120 stuff plus. If you haven't been following along, uh, Shohei Otani just started throwing, I think he calls it a two seam. His coaches call it a two seam. Uh, he just started throwing a two seam. He threw two all year and then his last start he threw six. So uh, it's, a, it's a good idea, I think, because his four seam is actually, in terms of movement, a little bit in a dead zone. So he might actually get better as a pitcher. Uh, any case, um, I don't know why I started talking about that. I don't know, but he got better as a pitcher last year to this year in terms of stuff. He was one of the biggest movers. He was already yeah. good last year, and he got better. So and the other model could again. say, yeah, the other model says he could get better. I, I'm sorting through uh, young I'm trying to look at pitchers with high stuff and then looking over at their at their command to see if I can spot someone just that way. Um, but it's it's not really working for me that way um, in terms of you know who has it. I would look for, I, I would look for young pitchers coming up uh, that were starters in the minor leagues and that have three pitches and can command at least two of them. I think that's the magic. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What do you make of, of D.L. Hall? We got to see the debut on Saturday. I saw the numbers in the model. The Stuff Plus number is really good. It's like the best among any lefty I think we've seen in the big leagues this season. It was absurd. The uh, location number was pretty comparable to like Matt Brash. So my mind immediately said, okay, if the floor is filthy left-handed version of Matt Brash, but the ceiling is ridiculous if he could find a way to locate yeah uh he has per the model an elite slider an elite an elite curveball an elite forcing fastball and an elite changeup, basically all by stuff in terms of what he can command the locations were only above average on the slider however uh that is an avenue for for success i wonder if 
you know, in the minor leagues, you would tell a guy like DL Hall, it's got to be you got to you got to do the four seam, you got to get command on the four seam, you got to you got to establish the four seam, establish the four seam. We got to get you practicing the four seam. I wonder, you know, sometimes you get to the majors and you see a guy's pitch mix change in the majors and they feature some pitch they didn't throw as much. I mean, Max Fried added a slider in the majors and now it's his best pitch, you know. Um, I wonder if DL Hall, if he is actually putting the slider in good locations, uh, you know, could up that slider usage and go 50-50, you know, on the slider four seam again uh, and benefit from that, Um, you know. I will always be interested in a pitcher like this. I acquired shares of DL Hall uh, as soon as I saw him pop in the minor league numbers, and but I also fell for Matt Brash. Uh, so there is a a very high reliever risk here, since you know curveball aside, he can only command one of his pitches, and it's not a fastball. <laughs> so how much do? mechanics matter to you i know with brash i remember talking to keith law and the athletic baseball show and he said those mechanics are just they're they're violent and they're problematic and if you have a location problem that also comes with a complicated or unorthodox delivery that would be maybe an extra reason from a scouting perspective to be skeptical i I don't know if i've seen anyone point out similar flaws in DL Hall's delivery or if, if you saw him, if you had any concerns yourself, but does that matter to you when you're trying to determine how correctable a location issue might be? Because for Brash, I guess you can you can watch him and say, hey, that looks pretty hard to repeat. Maybe it's always going to be an uphill battle for him to, to become more consistent in that regard. Yeah. I mean, first of all, I just have to, uh, I have to be aware of the limitations of my own knowledge. You know, because I uh, I don't actually know that much. I mean, I know some about like some of the ideal mechanics, but it's mostly about velo, about producing velo, and and talking about staying back on the on the on the back leg and and scapular retraction, which means basically putting your shoulder back uh, so you gain more sort of rubber band action. You, you gain more velo. I know of the, I know a little bit about the, the things that create velo. Um, I don't know a lot about, you know, what mechanics lead to, uh, good, deli- like good outcomes, uh, command wise. But I will say that I, when I watch DL Hall, I don't think, oh my God, this guy's ridiculous. And yet when I watch Alex Wood, I think this guy's ridiculous. There's no way he could command anything. And uh, I don't think that that has been the case uh, for for Alex Wood. That I think he's he's shown fine command. Yeah, and just looking at, at Hall's delivery, I don't I don't see anything alarming. That doesn't mean a lot. I am not a mechanics uh, expert. I'm not a scout, but I I don't have the red flag. You know, start waving in front of me. Oh, that that's not going to work. So I, I think there's. Probably more reason to be excited than pessimistic, even though we know this kind of profile can end up being a great high leverage reliever if it doesn't work out as a starter. I think the Orioles would be wise to push Hall as a starter for all of next season and probably into 2024 just to see if he can put it all together. I mean, you said four, four elite pitches by stuff. How many how many people in the pool even have two elite pitches by stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, you're Spencer Strider. Yeah. I mean, that's, 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 (laughs) that's rare. So, yeah. Um, and, uh, one thing I would uh, suggest to anybody that is trying to use the model to, uh, to find future starters that, you know, either in the relief pool or just in general, uh, command is very important. And when I, when I looked at, um, you know, various command metrics, uh, I found that command predicted innings pitch per appearance better than stuff. Um, So if you read between the lines there, command was better at predicting who was a starter or not than stuff was. Um, And then you, if you put that next to a finding that I had in my column uh, two weeks ago, which found that uh, command disappeared after 80 pitches, that command was actually what fell off first in any given start. Um, I think you understand why, right? Like if you start with bad command and then over the course of your start, it's only going to get worse. And then 80 pitches in you, you're going to fall off of that. 
then you're just not going to make it through the start. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to work. Uh, so you have to have a, a high level of command. So in in effect, I'd almost uh, you know, do something where I sorted uh, by location plus uh, in the uh, in the dock, and uh, then looked for guys that had uh, you know multiple pitches. So um, you know, I wonder, I wonder what that that what that could produce. But again, it the the team had like Keegan Aiken pops this way, right? And maybe it's possible he goes back to starting. Uh, but the team he's on has decided he's not. <laughs> so uh, I don't know how, how that works for him. Well, uh, lots of ways we can go from here. Uh, we did have a question about Nick Lodolo. And the thrust of the question was, gonna, how, do we, how do we rectify a, a sinker-heavy guy that misses bats like Lodolo in an era when that's not as common? Is that a is that a big deal? Does that matter? Is that a limitation on the ceiling for someone like Nick Lodolo? I think when we talked about him maybe a month or so ago, I liked him as a, a young pitcher to actually get right now, even in, in redraft leagues, because we weren't going to be worried about innings down the stretch. They could just let him go as a regular starter the rest of the season. And compared to a lot of the young pitchers that we've seen from the early part of the season who've been healthy, we're facing some shutdowns here over the final six weeks. So Plenty of Ks so far for Lodolo. 11 big league starts, 72 Ks, and 54 and two-thirds innings. Ratios are not great. 412 ERA is not going to break you, but a 157 whip so far. Uh, last time out, seven scoreless, 8 Ks against the Phillies. Probably the, the best start of his young career. Uh, but what do you make of what we've seen from Lodolo so far, and, and how does his approach uh, you know, worry you if it worries you at all? You know, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not in love with uh, sinker guys um, coming up uh, through the minor leagues when I don't have a, a stuff plus number. And that's just because um, uh, I assume that it's not going to be that good in my model because uh, sinkers aren't loved by the model and not loved by Major League Baseball. There's the number one pitch that has been going away in baseball is the sinker. Now, that does allow for uh, you to be different, uh, you know, now. And uh, uh, so there are some teams that are making bets on sinkers. Um, I would just say throw the four seam or throw the sinker, whichever one has a better shape, you know, <laughs> like don't push it and start like the Royals. They all throw these four seamers, but they're not good because a lot of those were guys were drafted as sinker guys. Um, and Lodolo sinker is very good. In fact, in the piece, uh, I, I laid out that uh, Nick Lodolo and Edward Cabrera were my two favorite guys for, uh, I'm not going to show too much leg. There is a guy who used to be a reliever uh, who uh, is starting now that is also on that list. Um, and you'll have to get the subscription to read the piece. Um, but uh, <laughs> but you don't wear shorts unless you're exercising, do you? No, I'm not. A, I'm not a never shorts guy. Um, but I, I just wanted to point out that among sinkers thrown by starters, Nick Lodolo's is second in Stuff Plus. So uh, if you want to do a, a mental recalibration and say, okay, Eno's model undervalues stuff um, and so uh, uh, stuff on sinkers. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I'll just, if a guy has a 94 stinker, sinker, you know, Stuff Plus, then maybe I think that's good enough. That, I think that's actually uh, an okay way to think about it because um, Nick Lodolo has the second best stuff plus on a sinker thrown by a starter, and it's a 104 stuff plus. You might have expected a higher number uh, when I said that. Uh, Sandy Alcantara has the number one sinker stuff plus among starters. He has a 108 stuff plus. Um, so just to kind of compare uh, on four-seamers, <laughs> are you looking for the the top numbers on four seamers yeah uh, i wish i had those more readily available i do not no no i i, I and i should have shared it before i started but i'm right here i'm right here it's just i'm having an actual uh problem oh because it's written with a four instead of f-o-u-r anyway the top four seam uh thrown by a f uh, by a starter is spencer striders with 150 Jeez. 148 stuff plus but the, yeah, so the ceiling for the stuff model on that pitch is so much higher like where where it you really can go is. because of the way the model you, you do have to grade that pitch against other sinkers and not just against 
the broader universe of, of fastballs. So yeah, so Jordan Montgomery has the third best sinker uh, in our model, one hundred three. Um, you know, Brandon Woodruff uh, is fourth best among starters. Um, Aaron Ashby is fifth best. Um, so that just gives you an idea of who has the best sinkers among starters in baseball. Um, and, uh, since Nick Lodolo is already up there, then maybe, you know, stuff less undervalues him overall because it has him with an elite curveball. And if it's really the third best sinker thrown by a starter, then it's really an elite, even though stuff plus doesn't not elite, maybe it's an elite sinker. So now you've got two pitches that are elite and the changeup is average. I don't think it's a problem. Uh, the only question with Lodolo is, is command, but I don't think it's uh, such bad command, like compared to DL Hall, right? Like it's yeah, you know, it's more like DL Hall command, has, maybe. yeah, exactly. So maybe he has some f- slight ups and downs uh, based on that command, but I think he has less work to do, for example, than Eduardo Cabrera, who um, you know the changeup. Everyone loves the changeup, and it's you know it's this great pitch that that uh, that goes ninety eight miles an hour sometimes, and it's and it looks beautiful when pitching ninja uh, throws it up, but uh, the model doesn't love it. It doesn't have good separation from his fastball. Uh, and in fact, the model says he should be a sinker slider guy. Now, remember when Sandy Alcantara came up and he was trying to throw the four seam? And I think he just couldn't command it because he's a natural sinker guy. And it wasn't really working. It wasn't really working. And then he kind of made a change where like the sinker was more of his his like go-to pitch and the forcing was more of like an action pitch that he went for swing strikes with. Once he made that switch, everything clicked. I could see a moment with Eduardo Cabrera where like, oh, I'm gonna go more to sinker slider, but I'm still gonna have that four seam change up, the four seam fastball and the change up in my back pocket. That could change everything. I think if he switched over to the sinker as his primary fastball, uh, and then went more sinker slider because he has, if you look at his like repertoire, he has things that are elite by uh, stuff and things that are better by command. And if he just picked the right pitch mix, I think Edward Cabrera could blow up. Nick Lodolo doesn't have to do anything. He just has to be healthy. So, yeah. you know, he's absolutely somebody I would accept in a trade. I don't like to trade for pitchers, but he's absolutely somebody I'd accept in a trade in, in fantasy. Edward Cabrera is someone I'd hope that I could pick up or as a throw in in a trade or something because he still has to kind of, he has, to, I think there's something left that he has to do to click. But there is Sandy Alcantara level upside in Edward Cabrera. Yeah, I think there is elevated injury risk for Cabrera, unfortunately, because he's had multiple arm injuries coming through the and Marlins frankly, system. And frankly, so hard. But it's interesting that he could end up making those tweaks and, and really uh, unlock an even higher ceiling than previously expected. Uh, in some ways, the way it's going for him right now, he's got the 178 ERA and a 105 whip in six starts this year. He's been, I think, about as fortunate this year as he was unfortunate last year in seven starts. The ratios <laughs> were bad last year. And you look at him and say, okay, he's not he's not that guy. He's probably not quite this, he's guy, not this either. guy either. Unless unless he makes like a few more tweaks, I think. I mean, uh yeah, the strikeout rate is good, but the walk rate is really high. Uh he can command his sinker better than his four seam. So I think long term he should think about going to that sinker. It's hard to say that about someone who's who's having so much success right now. And uh, you know, maybe I maybe I overshot it by saying a throw in because you never know what kind of recency bias people have, you know, like, oh, I'm gonna throw in this guy with a one ERA that looks like an amazing starter. Yeah, dude, it's it's been like remember last year? Uh but you know, it all depends on the interactions that you have in your league. Um, I, I wouldn't uh, spend a lot to get Edward Cabrera because I still see this this missing. I would rather have Lodolo. So looking at Cabrera, I think he's just under 70 innings so far this season between rehab and, and big league innings and everything. So if he could just stay healthy for the final six weeks, he probably gets into the 110, 120 range, which gives him a shot at 150, 160 next year. It, I don't think you would project him for much more than that anyway given all the past issues like if you were a young pitcher a younger pitcher who was just getting fully stretched out for the first time maybe you'd worry for slightly different reasons but i do think he he's going to carry that extra injury risk for a while it's going to take a couple of years for edward cabrera to kind of push that far enough into his past where we're not thinking that much about it and honestly lodolo too right i mean mm-hmm. he could get he could get to 100 innings maybe uh, if he's lucky uh, this year, 
and and maybe have 120 150 next year but both of those guys are you know in redraft leagues are definitely names that i love uh you know later in drafts next year i will definitely have them in my top 75 they'll definitely be in that that sort of uh 70s grouping where i'm like ooh, i want one of these at the end of my draft you know Yep. Uh, if they if they rise up a little bit, you know, maybe I'll stick with Lodolo if 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 he rises if the cost rises, uh, maybe even Cabrera. But um, then I'm choosing between them, and it's one or the other, depending on who's a little bit cheaper. But you know, generally, you know, it's funny. I make fun of the A's because um, they they acquire these low stuff guys. But in fact, I think we could learn from what they're doing, which is they're acquiring low stuff guys that have a lot of pitches. You know, and I think that's the one thing I would look for for breakouts that is undervalued by the community because now stuff numbers are becoming more ubiquitous. And now anytime you're trading with somebody who's in the know, there's a couple of stuff models out there. They can check out the stuff model and they can say, ah, no, I don't want that. Low stuff, you know, um, that that allows for some arbitrage that allows for some some. I don't know if I I'm not going to go as far as say, that, you know, go get you some JP Sears, you know, shares but uh but you can use that philosophy when you're looking that's that's what i was sort of trying to uh, get out when i was talking about mitch white it doesn't look great the stuff plus is not high but there are a lot of pitches there yeah no dane dunning's got four pitches you want some dane dunning <laughs> so yeah see you gotta be careful <laughs> <laughs> it does seem like you could uh torch yourself pretty good like 89.4 on the fastball might be enough of a yeah, thanks. I'm is glad that you what got Dane three Dunning of the pitches. Is these days? Yeah. Oh, rough. Yeah, yeah. That's that's not what you what you're looking for. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream Directv satellite free. Hey, Frank. A little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get Directv. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream Directv over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream Directv without a satellite dish. Visit Directv.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Let's talk about the next crop of elite relievers for a bit. We talked about the expected continuation of of the closer tax, I think maybe two or three episodes ago. And I started thinking about one of my keeper leagues where the year that he became the closer in Cleveland, it wasn't clear because of James Karinchak that Emmanuel Class A was going to have the job. And I got him for, I think, $4 in, in the auction. So he's been a great keeper for a few years, probably even an extension guy in that league, the way things are going. Strikeout rate's a little bit low right now for Class A, given how good the stuff actually is. But it got me thinking about finding the next elite closers or trying to find the next elite closers. Maybe if you speculate on Ryan Helsley this year in a keeper league, you're feeling really good about your future uh, at this point. Is Felix Batista just sort of the, the obvious guy right now? Maybe it's not even fair to point him out because he's come up a few times over the course of the season. And now with Jorge Lopez being traded a few weeks ago, it's very easy to see the intention to use him as a regular closing option in Baltimore. Yeah, but I think it's still worth talking about him because he represents, I think, the best way to look for them, which is uh, through the lens of Stuff Plus. I mean, we know that Pitching Plus is very strong, and even stronger, actually, with relievers than with starters uh, because you're dealing in small samples. And we know that Stuff Plus is stickier year to year. So there, hewing closer to Stuff Plus, uh, I think, gets you uh, where you need to go. I like guys like uh, Jason Adam. Uh, I, I think he could he could push his way to the front there in in St. Louis, in uh, in Tampa. Um, I like uh, I like Joe Barlow still. I think he's going to get the job back. I don't know if these are elite guys, but they're definitely guys that you know have good stuff plus and uh, and opportunity. Uh, I picked up Pete Fairbanks 
Um, I've picked up Sir Anthony Dominguez. Uh, in fact, I think he's uh, sort of what you're talking about because they picked up, they, you know, they picked up other guys. He's not going to end up the, with the most saves on the Phillies this year. He's going to have the most saves on the Phillies next year. Yeah, as things are currently lined up, I mean, if they could always be the team that goes back to the well in free agency and maybe Kenley Jansen ends up going to the Phillies for a year or something like that. But, you know, Knable was there on a one-year deal. Robertson was acquired as someone on a one-year deal who will be back in free agency again. So I think that makes sense. It seems like a good spot uh, to possibly target someone. I think with the Rays, we always have these assumptions that they will use a committee forever. They don't have to use a committee forever, or they could at least anoint one person as sort of the head of the committee, someone that could get 20-plus saves with great ratios and Ks. So I, I, I could see that being a path for Adam. And I'm, I'm looking at the K-BB percentage leaderboard, too, just among you know, pitchers with 40 or more innings. And you can see Adams up there at 26.6%, right there, Felix Bautista, 26.5%, Bednar's in that range. So not a surprise to see him there since he would have been popping in this sort of conversation uh, this time a year ago. Andres Munoz is still really interesting to me because I think we look at Seattle and I, I think we both like Paul Seawald. There's no reason why Paul Seawald can't be an elite closer but Munoz might be someone that's a little overlooked right now because of the depth that they have in that Seattle pen. We're now looking at almost 50 innings this season with a 40% K rate. Doesn't walk a lot of guys. A 7% walk rate is great missing that many bats. So, I mean, what do you think about uh, Andres Munoz maybe as someone that you want to start stashing away now in keeper leagues and as someone that would make a lot of sense as we look ahead to draft and hold season and start thinking about 2023 a bit? 100%. 100%. Huge stuff. And not, and not just the four-seamer, but definitely also the four-seamer. Um, and, uh, and I could see them um, trading Paul Seawall, honestly. You know, like, that's, that's Trader Joe over there. Um, tra- Trader Jerry, sorry. And uh, <laughs> uh, so I, I think Munoz is a guy that you want to you buy. Uh, here's an interesting name that actually we should have talked about earlier. Juan Duran. Mm-hmm. absolutely has the command and the number of pitches to be a starter. Mm. Um, and so that's an interesting guy to maybe uh, target even in a trade, even though if, you, if you're buying a little high, you might be buying a starter next year you might, or you might be buying their closer next year. Either way, it seems like he has an impact arm. Um, and so I, I think you're kind of covered either way. I do like that when you have the the possible... Uh, gets you saves or is going to be a good starter like that was where strider was going and i think that's mm-hmm. i think that's where brash is going like brash could eventually be the closer there too in seattle i guess that that's the one thing working it's munoz it's not just one other option it's like so three good. or four yeah. even eric swanson is having a, it's a been great really year. popping in the model and he's a lot better eric swanson is also why i tend to actually look the other way and it's because i also have leagues where i can benefit from having a closer in my starting pitcher spot um i'm always looking for in spring training for guys that are going from starting to relieving because Eric Swanson was not a very good starter, uh, and he's been a pretty, re- I have to say, a really good reliever. So, you know, sometimes it does, you don't even need your fancy model to be like, hey, this guy was was a starter and is now going to be a reliever this year. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put some some money on that. Yeah, uh, I guess that's where like the Eli Morgan uh, name comes back into the conversation too. Like, I wasn't really excited about him as a back end starter in Cleveland, but he's been excellent for them out of the pen. Like seven strikeouts to every walk. It's just phenomenal to have a guy like that working as part of the bridge uh, to the ninth inning. Um, any other reliever names that really stand out to you for for one reason or another? I think Brian Abreu always intrigues me. I think I've mentioned him. <laughs> you love him. <laughs> I've mentioned him on this show a handful of times. I think he's been a prospect of the week selection. He'd be among the guys that I, I would look at and say, reliever now that could be a starter later. And I think it's because I've seen Houston do this a few times, right? This is not... This is not necessarily an organization that takes that. Yeah, You're a reliever now. Yeah. Javier's done it. Um, I think Luis Garcia broke in as a reliever very briefly before starting, if I remember correctly. They, they've they've done this a couple of times already, and I think that is a profile that I'd want to take a chance on in deeper leagues and and just kind of see, you know, what actually happens with his role going into next season. Yeah, I like uh, Robert Suarez. 
Uh, I know he's got Josh Hader there, but uh, if things fall apart in San Diego, I think Preller is on more of the hot seat than you might expect. In fact, uh, there could be a quick rebuild there if things go really poorly. Hmm. Um, so you never know where Robert Suarez ends up. It was it, and I don't even know what kind of a deal it was. I thought his contract was a short, like a was it a one year one year deal? Yeah. So anyway, so he might he might enter the market as a possible closer. I think he, I don't know if a contender would necessarily. Uh, it's a two year, eleven million dollar deal, uh, but it's a twenty twenty three player option. Yeah, so he could go back out into the market. Yeah, if he thinks he's done enough. Uh, Robert Suarez does have uh, big, big stuff. Um, and then just to your point about earlier about, you know, the Seattle having, you know, Festa actually uh, pops. <laughs> Another as, guy. As, yeah, yeah. And, and former starter too, right? Um, but uh, Jorge Alcala, when he comes back, would, you know, that could be a thing where Jorge Alcala is healthy and they make him the closer and they try to make Duran a starter next year in Minnesota. Um, you know, Ryan Pepio is an interesting guy because uh, the command is so bad in this model and also just by eye test that he could be a future reliever. And I don't know, you know, considering how many years of control they have and what kind of a team they are, I think his uh tr- his journey towards being a reliever might be a long one um so he might be a guy who's like a long guy next year or something uh but i i, I actually remain a little bit pessimistic about him being a major league starter despite how good the stuff looks it's it's that low like 91 location plus is is really low you know so and for what it's worth uh you know there's there's not there's not really any other starters that have it that low yeah, I think they, because the Dodgers do such a good job of finding relievers off the scrap heap, either injured players or guys that's stuck in other organizations that they can they can tweak, that kind of affords them the luxury of not forcing it with Pepio. They can say, hey, we, we want to see if you can make it to the start, or we like having eight, nine, ten guys stretched out that we trust with major league caliber stuff go back to AAA again. He's still got options for a few years, so yeah. they can, they can take that really long path. For a while, for sure. Uh, Jonathan Hernandez, if Joe Barlow doesn't make it happen, Jonathan Hernandez in Texas uh, could be the next starter, the next closer there. Spores also looks pretty good in the model, so they, they're, they've got a couple guys there. It seems like they have nobody, but they they're definitely have some guys. Yeah, Hernandez has made it tough to wait it out with Barlow. If you're in a mixed league for a keeper league, if you're AL only, I think it's a little easier to just wait on that next option, that that second reliever. Because well, it was going to be Brett Martin, but it wasn't Brett Martin. That was fab money poorly spent. Could have been worse. I mean, I, I think it was a pretty small bid for the most part that it took to uh, to get Brett Martin. Uh, but yeah, I was thinking about uh, a couple other guys that have changed roles or will change roles recently. What do you think about Yusei Kikuchi? getting out of the rotation it seems like the jays are at the point now where they're trying to find some other way to use him and i think we've probably seen enough of him as a starter to support that i mean we're talking about 448 innings now since he joined uh, the mariners back in 2019 an era just above five a whip at 142 yeah to to put uh pepio in in context you say kikuchi's location plus is 94 that's a really bad sign for Ryan Pepio. <laughs> yeah, so. oh. oh, and oh, here's another guy with location plus at 91, Carlos Hernandez. Okay, also not a starter, unfortunately, with the peers. Super wild. I think this is a, a great move for them in the postseason because when I look at that team, um, I, I think that Kikuchi could actually be a real wild card for them in the postseason because it's just more likely that you can get more innings more innings per appearance due to command from guys like even Stripling, maybe even a White. But in the postseason, you don't need to worry about White, so you're not you're not even going to start him. So you become a Barrios, Gossman, Manoa team where Stripling is your long guy, or if you if you're in a seven game series, Stripling might start your fourth game. But Kikuchi can come in if Barrios is bad. Barrios, Kikuchi can come in in the second. It's a different look. You know? 
before Barrios gives up five, right? If Barrios is on his way to giving up five, he gives up two. You put in Kikuchi in the second or third, you keep it at two, and you stay in the game because it's the postseason. So I think it's a move with an eye towards the postseason. I think it's a great one because Kikuchi also gives them a look that none of their other guys give them. Powered lefty that can go multiple innings. I, I thought it would work out a little better for him in Toronto. I thought they could take the, the best parts of Kikuchi and, and make it work as a starter. So maybe they'll give it one more shot at the beginning of next season. It's a three-year deal that he's on right now. But if you can turn him into a good multi-inning reliever who is good for two or three innings at a time or possibly a high-leverage guy at some point, that's also worth $12 million a year. Like that's if, if Could Kikuchi be... Kind of like the Drew Pomeranz uh, of a few years ago. I think so. Although, the one thing is, I'm not sure how much uh, how much more velo he has. Because he is kind of a guy who throws really close to his max velo. So I don't think he's going to jump up to ne- necessarily 97, 98 all the time. I think uh, it's maybe one tick instead of two or three. Right. And that's, that's something that maybe teams have a better sense on than we do in the public. Because... You know, uh, I haven't really found the, the if anybody wants to research this, why do some relievers get more uh, velocity when they go to the, to the pen than others? Um, I, th- I think it has something to do with maximum, but I haven't actually seen that research done. And the average is like a tick and a half, but some guys get way more. Um, the, what I'll say is Kikuchi maxes out right now as a starter at 96.9. That's where he is right now. And he's sitting at 95. So, yeah, what what's left? Maybe he can get to 95.5. You know, maybe he could get to 96, but he can't. He's not going to go past 97. He's maxing at 97. So, I don't think he has a lot more velo in there. But uh, we may see more slider velo, and then just we won't. He won't have the opportunity to blow up the way he does. Yeah. <laughs> So I, 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 and then also, uh, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't command that cutter that well. Um, so, you know, just focusing on fewer pitches that he can command better could also uh, make him a much better pitch mid pitcher. So I just like it generally because I think it's uh, smart for them for the postseason to have a guy who can go two or three innings, be a lefty come in in the second or third inning. I mean, we've just seen that happen with even some of the really good starters have gone out early in the postseason. That happens. Facing the best the best lineup, have a slightly off day, and you get get crushed for it. It's just the, the way postseason baseball works. But I'd love to see it for Kikuchi. It'd be nice to see him in a role that makes him a lot more effective because he can be really fun when things are clicking for him and those shorter outings might be a path to make that happen and again it doesn't mean he's a reliever next year it just means for the rest of this season they can get something out of him and they can try and fix it does mean i'm not as excited for him as a sleeper next year because you know you can only tap that button so many times yeah uh speaking of, of, of buttons did you, you see have you ever seen the the floor mats that you get for dogs that allow them to communicate with you like each button has a, a pre-recorded voice that says something so then they can tell you outside chicken play ball have you, have you seen anyone use these before no they're pretty amazing you should uh you should check that out i, I don't i'm trying to decide if i want my dog to be able to tell me more things than she already does or will it just be the same thing every time chicken chicken i think it would just chicken. be the chicken button on, on repeat fetch, bacon fetch I want the bacon. park park <laughs> yeah. like it's like hmm, peanut butter okay peanut butter, cheese, chicken. let's put it away <laughs> yeah so I'm, I'm like intrigued by it but also a little bit afraid of it uh, but hitting the button too many times so you just think of that I'm like i'm pretty sure that's what hazel would do she would just hit the chicken button all day until we finally <laughs> exactly. caved and just let her have an entire chicken all to herself <laughs> That is going to do it for this episode of Rates and Barrels. You can find us on Twitter. Eno's at Eno Saris. I am at Derek Van Riper. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button on this video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't done so already. And if you have a moment, leave us a nice rating and review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if you're listening on one of those platforms. Schedule's going to be a little different next week. We'll still have two episodes, but it won't be Monday, Thursday. It'll probably be something like a Wednesday, Friday combo. We're still working out the details of that. Fortunately for me, I get some time off, so I'm looking forward to that. Hope everybody has a great weekend. We are back with you next week. Thanks for listening.
Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.